0: I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Okay, so I was going to review a little bit from the last two classes, but I think I'll just do a little bit of review and we'll bite as they say, Okay. Um, These glasses don't help. Ah! Okay, so we were talking last week at the end of the class about one of the reasons why jealousy can be so intense is based on the story in the Torah of Rachel and Yaakov and Rachel's situation where Leah, her sister, is having a zillion children and she's not having any, okay, that the jealousy that Rachel felt for her sister Leah, which we talked about as feeling like, you know what, I don't understand, my sister must be a real Sudeikis. She's having all these children, and obviously Yaakov's not the problem, because, you know, if we're worried about infertility, he's obviously fine with Leah, so it must be me, Mm -hmm. it must be me that's the problem. And very often when we see that other people have something that we don't have, one of the insecure feelings that a human being has is, you know, What's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. And what happens is we, our, our, our jealousy becomes so intense that on some level it reflects on my unworthiness or my worthiness, you know? If I don't have this, then, you know, there must be something wrong with me that I don't have what other people have. Why don't I have it? And why does she have it, Right. And that's a whole different idea, the fact that often when it comes to jealousy, we don't just say, why does she have it? But usually it's followed by, she doesn't really deserve it. I mean, look at me. I put myself out so much for my children. I've taken them to every therapy. I've put myself out for them. And this woman, like, I don't know, she doesn't seem to be, you know, she's always drinking coca and and, uh, you know, She's got help, so she's never home, and somehow her kids turn out great and mine don't, or whatever. So we're always, the the second place that we go sometimes with jealousy is not just, you know, why am I unworthy? But we can even go to the next place in our minds of, you know, that person doesn't really deserve it. But we're not going to focus on that now. We're going to stay on this idea that jealousy, when we see that somebody has something that we don't, it arouses an existential question within us about our own worthiness. And that's part of why jealousy can be such an intense emotion. And we talked about that, that even uh, she gave an example that even a woman who got married later in life, in her 30s, and uh, she asked Dina, the woman whose class we're learning, you know, I don't understand, even though I'm married, every time I hear about a 21-year-old getting married, I still feel this pang of jealousy, and I still go to this place which says, you know, why does she get married so young, and I got married at this age? So even though things could turn out okay for you, it's interesting that you could still have this, you know, what what's wrong with me? Maybe, you know, there must be something wrong with me. Okay, um... So again, there was nothing wrong with her. And the fact that her jealousy led her to feel this way was something that was not intellectual. It was just based on emotion. And um, so somebody asked a question, how do I know when I should govern for something? I really want something that somebody else has, right? I mean, you know, we talked about that. Like part of the reason that human beings have this jealousy innately in them is that it does propel us sometimes to be motivated to do more than we might do. You know, somebody else is building a house next to us that's just a little few inches higher, right? And then the next person comes and builds their house and says, hmm, well, I'm going to build mine just another few inches higher. And the truth is, is that comes from a certain human desire to you know, on the negative up one and competition, which we said we're very much uh, framed by in our society. But it also comes from uh, an inner desire to, you know, do more and be more. So sometimes when we see something, we want it, there's nothing wrong with it if it's not coming from jealousy. So how do you know? You know, in other words, how do you know? Maybe you should doven for it. They have such a beautiful home. I would like a beautiful home like that. They have, you know, whatever they have. I want yeah. that too. So the answer to that is, um, you know that it's not jealousy if there's nothing about the other person that's creating a negative energy for you. Because jealousy typically creates interpersonal negative energy. So as long as you don't feel this, then it's not jealousy. Sometimes we'll say, why did Hashem give that to them and not to me? So how are we supposed to think about that? So she brings down the idea about self-preservation. Okay, Sometimes we think this way out of self-preservation. So we know in the Gemara there's a whole question of two people are in the desert and there's only enough water so that one of them should be able to survive, right? It's the um, idea of hayecha kodmim, that you don't split the water with the other person. The halacha is that if there's only enough water for one person to survive, you should drink it. You come first, okay? And you're not allowed to forfeit everything. That wouldn't be responsible to give it to the other person. On the other hand, when it comes to situations in life, that's not always the way it works. When a person um, is driven by jealousy, they're going to always act with that in mind. You know, I come first, I want it, I don't want you to have it, I'm going to take it. But she says that, um, you know, we have to see every situation. In other words, sometimes it's true that hayecha could mean that I come first, there's only one thing. And why should I say, here, you take it, if I really need it. Okay, but if that's not the case, then that's not the way a person should behave. So she gives an example. She says, you know, you found a really good Shadchan for your children, for, for them getting married. And there are other people who would love to know this information, but you're going to withhold it from them. And why are you going to do this? Because your inner feeling, again, is there's not enough room for both of us to be successful. There's only a certain amount of pizza in the pie, like we said. And, you know, if I give you part of it, then I'm going to have a smaller piece. So I don't want to tell you about that person. Or she gives another example. There's only three spots open in a certain school that you want to get your kid into. And, you know, the idea is that any time there's room for success for both of us, meaning there's three spots and I only have one kid, then you should certainly be generous and share it with the other person. Who also wants to get their kid. Now, if there was only one spot, then you not, you're not chayim. You're not obligated to tell them about it, right? Because chayecha kodmi. me, because you, there is something about, you know, I come first. I mean, I have to take care of myself, self-preservation. I want my child in that school. There's only one spot. I would be foolish to go tell everybody else, hey, why don't you try and get that spot? Okay, but to be callously uh, worried, you know, and not want to give everybody that saris Ion idea, right, that I don't need it, but I don't want you to have it. Well, that's a whole different level of, of selfishness. That's not self-preservation. That's, that's something else. And sometimes you have to, have to actually ask a halakhic shaira in these cases where it's not clear. So one of the things that we gave for homework last night, I don't know if anybody thought about it or anything came up. You forgot? She's going, oh, I forgot my homework. The teacher's going to ask. Well, it's just a good question, and it's a good thing to take into this next week, and even though I'm going to give you double homework assignment now. okay? <laughs> um, so the question is, is there any area where my jealousy is made extra intense because of the question I ask myself? what's wrong with me right what's wrong with me what's lacking in me that i don't have what, you know that, that it, it challenges our sense of worth when we see that somebody else has something okay because this is not what we want to happen okay so what happens is what happened with rachel is she was wrong to do this the torah is telling us and a lot of them of course, talk about this she was wrong to judge herself badly, right? She even says at one point, right, "Give me children, or else I will die." And we said that jealousy, anger, desires—I uh, can't remember the fourth one—bring out irrational behavior. And no, no matter how high a person's IQ is, we become totally overwhelmed by our emotions. And Rachel. Her jealousy is what makes her speak irrationally. So it's natural to ask ourselves this question: you know, why me? Why not me? Why them? But it's really, it really is damaging to do self-critical analysis that adds the intensity of "why me" and make our self-worth suffer. But Hashem was not punishing her. Very often in life, you know, we think, oh, Hashem must be punishing me. I'm not good enough. I, you know, I told you that story about my own, in my own life, you know, when I wasn't well, and my husband said, well, you know, it must be Hashem was looking around the world for Rishaim, and he couldn't find anybody better than you. <laughs> so, for sure, that must be the reason, right? But it's interesting how immediately we go there. We say, you know, oh, well, it must be that I'm did something wrong, or Hashem's angry at me, or he doesn't like me, or he's picking on me, or whatever it is. Can anybody relate to this? Okay, good. It's not just me. Okay. But, you know, the concept is, no, Hashem was not punishing her. So what are we supposed to think? What are we supposed to think when we have different kinds of nisayonot, where we feel like, you know, the parade is passing us by, and everybody seems to be marching at it, you know, doing well, and we nebuch, you know, just seem to be they just seem to be kicking up their dust and it's flying all over us, right? What What are we supposed to think? So one idea is like this. I don't know why Hashem is bringing this upon me. I only know one thing. My neshama chose this nisayon. This test. Okay, Rabbeinu Bechaya says I'll... I'll I'm not even going to say that, but this is where it's it's based on Rabbeinu Bechaya, okay? He says that every neshama approves of its circumstances before it comes into this world. We talked a little bit about that, right? The chida says the neshama not only approves, but it actually chooses its circumstances. That right after conception... A person is led by a malach and chooses its life's events. So someone else has children and you don't. Someone's child is a tzaddik and yours is off the derech. Instead of asking yourself, where did I go wrong? When somebody else has something that you don't, one of the ways that can help us remove this aspect and jealousy is to say, I chose this, my neshama chose this because it's good for me. And they always say that the people who have the most difficult nisayonos in life, it must be that, that you know, when their neshama was going around to choose things, you know, basically the mom said, okay, this is the room where, this is, this is the gold medal room, right? This is where you can get a gold medal. This is for silver, this is for bronze, you know. These are for people who just want the ribbons, you know. And then one of those ribbons, you know, the people who good try, whatever, you know, they don't even go in the race. Anyway, the point is, is, you know, you could kind of visualize that if you chose a lot of different challenges, and let's face it, there's nobody in the world that doesn't have some challenges. But of course, then there are people who it's like, wham, 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 you just can't believe how many challenges they have. So one way of looking at it is that their neshama chose the gold medal. They said, you know what, I think I'm up to this. I want to, as one woman on my street said, who was going through a lot of difficulties with illness in her family, I think her brother said to her, you know, when you get to the next world, you're definitely going to be on the cover of People magazine. <laughs> so, so, you know, this is the olam hafuch. This is the world that is upside down, olam hasheker. So the guy who looks like he's on the bottom of the pile here And boy, his life looks like a mess, and things just don't seem to go as beautifully as everybody in the pictures um, may very well be the one who's being called up for the gold medal at the uh, Academy Awards in heaven because of the life they lived down here and the challenges that they chose. Okay. So that's what Rachel forgot. Rachel forgot and thought that she was in charge of this idea, the fact that she wasn't having children. And this is incorrect thinking. And she says, we do it all the time, you know, in a superficial way. You know, why can't I run a neat home like she does? What's wrong with me? How come someone else's home is always neat and mine is such a mess? Why is that person so slim and always looks so put together? You know, what's wrong with me that I can't seem to lose a pound and, and, you know, I just can't seem to get it together. So, again, one of the antidotes to this is to realize that we, again, have different home air. Each one of us has, comes into this world with a completely different set of traits, of things that are easy for us and things that are difficult for us, of strengths and weaknesses that are uniquely our own. And when we look at other people and what they are and what they're doing and who they are and what they've got and compare ourselves to them, not only does it make us feel really low, really um, weak and uh, despairing and feed that part of us that says, oh, I'm just going to give up, but it, uh, it is not realistic because you're comparing apples and oranges. And we know that Hashem only expects, expects us to get to and to do what we can with what he gave us, those strengths and weaknesses which 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 are uniquely ours. Okay. So here's a question that somebody asked. Is there a jealousy that doesn't lead to negative feelings? So So she says, Tsaris ion, which we talked about before, is really the worst on the continuum of jealousy, because we said the definition of Tsaris ion is, I don't even need what you have, but I just don't want you to have it. It's a real narrowness, right? A real smallness of, of I don't know how to say it, Suzanne, what did you say? Like, not a generous spirit. It's the opposite of a generous spirit, right? I don't want you to have it. And we talked about that in regards to the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva last week. I just want to bring that up. But one of the reasons, perhaps, that lies at the root of jealousy, and and certainly may have been the cause of the fact that the disciples of Rabbi Akiva could not give each other proper kabod, and as the Gemara tells us, had saras ayin for each other, was the idea of exclusivity. I don't want everybody to have it, because if everybody has it, then what's, where's my uniqueness? What makes me special? What makes me honored, right? How, does it, how will I be raised above others so people will give me the kavod that I'm craving? And we said that that kavod that they were craving came from a lack of self-confidence, because we said, who is the honored person? The one who gives honor to others, not the one who's waiting for other people to honor them, right? And we said with all of those, who is the happy person, who is the strong person, in the secular society, it's like it has nothing to do with you, right? It depends on your bank account. It depends on how many pounds you can lift. But in the Jewish view, it's completely in your control, right? You're not waiting for other people to honor you because that's murder, right? That's it's uh, That removes us from this world, right? We said... Taiva, Kina and Kava remove a person from the world but we're saying and what we learned from, from this episode with Rabbi Akiva's students is when you give honor to others you're naturally honored but they couldn't forgive the other person's the idea that the other person was the same as they were also knew a lot of Torah right? And and, and we're even told that they didn't share their ideas, their Torah with each other and the world became desolate, we're told, because of the midah of Tzarus Ayin. And Rabbi Akiva begins again with the seven new students. And just reviewing a bit from last week. And he says to them, don't have Tzarus Ayin. That was his first thing. And the second thing was, and it says, and they got up and they filled the world with Torah because the world had become desolate because of Tzarus Ayin. And again, the idea is that, you know, if we daven for everybody to have what we have, and if we say, Shalom, And I want whatever is good for me for other people, part of why we sometimes have a hard time with that is because there's a certain, well, of everybody has what I have, you know, what picks me up from the crowd? What makes me special? What makes me different? I don't want everybody to have what I have. And again, the root of that is a certain lack of self-esteem, a certain intrinsic lack of your own honor and your own dignity. Because we said it's only a person who who has a really good sense of their own inner self honor, their own inner honor, just based on the fact that they, you know, are a Jew number one. That we're all um, we're all created with Selim Elohim. And the more a person develops that, the more easy it is for them to see the honor of what is what is to be honored in other people. Okay, so that's part of the solution to that. Okay, so Kina has an element of you have it and I want it. I want it because you have it. There's a certain competitiveness, keeping up with the Schwartzes. And you know, jealousy is very wide in the English language. But in the Hebrew language, we have categories like we were talking about. Although sometimes, even there, they, they use them um, What's the word? Interchangeably. interchangeably. Right. So the Balei Musers say that kina is an interpersonal mida. It's not just that I saw you have something and I want it. There's something going on between me and you when I see you I don't feel so good about you there's a funny energy when I see you coming out of your house you know perfectly quaffed and getting into your gorgeous car and you know your perfect children walking behind you asking if you'd like a drink mommy you know there's just a certain funny energy that starts to happen when I see you okay I might even go down a different block when I see you because something is ignited a certain interpersonal discomfort with you why does she deserve that why does she have another new thing she just got a new coat I've never seen that coat before <laughs> why is she you know so what if you really want what the other per- okay that we understand but what if you really want what the other person has but it doesn't make you feel negative about them okay so that's something called taiva That's different than kinan. Taiva is you desire something. You have big eyes. You know, it's like you say to your kids when they want more on their plate. And you say, you know, your eyes are bigger than your stomach, right? So that's the idea, right? That I want that not because I'm triggered by the person who owns it. It has nothing to do with the person. I don't hate them. I'm not jealous of them. I just see it and I want it. So that's not called kin'am. That's called taiva. For example, if you see somebody wearing a beautiful dress and you just want the dress and there's no funny feeling about the person and, you know, why does she have that dress and, oh my goodness, you know, why does she have to be so slim and how come, you know, she has to look so good in that dress and whatever it is, right? Um, If you respond the same way to that dress that you would respond if you saw it in a store window, you know, I want it, then that's not called kina. Kinna is, she doesn't look good in that dress. I would look better in that dress. Oh no, here she comes with another Gucci bag. I'm, I'm walking down another block. I can't take it. I can't stand it. So, you know, we need to differentiate between the two. Obviously I want it is not as bad as you know, I don't like you because you have it. Or there's something funny about how I feel about you because you're in that dress. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about kinat sofri. What about if you don't feel badly about the other person? You just want that thing. And not only that, it happens to be a spiritual value. Kin'a, usually the feeling that's accompanied with real kin'a is I want to put the other person down. But kinatsofrim, right, because maybe at 1st we'll say, I want it, but then we'll do like Rabbi Matisyahu Solomon says, you know, what a nice car. Oh, I'd like a car like that. I deserve that car, <laughs> you know. Hey, you stole my car. Gunna, right? And, you know, that could be in any area of our life. We could relate to that more in other areas of our life, you know, as a woman, but it could be in any area. But sofri means I love you. You're great, and I want to be more like you. So that's why Sofrim is right above ayin and it's actually on the continuum where a person's starting to get better and use their jealousy for the right reason. So let's say it's something in the spiritual realm, somebody that has exceptionally good mitos, incredibly kind, soft-spoken. They have a mita that you would love to develop. They're very spiritual, right? In in a in a positive way, and they have something that I don't have that I could improve on in that area. So it says, "Kinot Sofrim Tar that the the jealousy of scholars between scholars, right? But it could be the jealousy between people who are striving in a spiritual pursuits in life to become greater. Um, in their character development, and their understanding of Torah, and how to be a better person with other people, that that kind of kina increases more wisdom in the world. So there is some kina, sorry, the regular kina is, I want it, whether it's material or spiritual, but I also want to put you down, Okay? Kinat Sofrim is you're my role model and I'm inspired by you. Okay, question: How do you overcome kinah when bitachon or emuna doesn't do it for you? You're so riddled by jealousy that you've tried to have bitachon. You know they can't take anything away from me. Another person can't take anything away from me. That, you know, if I'm supposed to have it, then I'm going to get it. And you go through all the different mantras of bitachon that you know you're supposed to believe in. But it really doesn't help abate the intensity of your jealousy with certain people. And, you know, there are people who, this is their nisayun in life, they're consumed by jealousy. It's not something that leaves them for a day. Right? Like people who have anger management problems. They can't go through a day without losing it on somebody, somebody who has an eating disorder, right? They can't go through a day without, you know, behaviors that will exacerbate this. I mean, it's very, very real. So let's look at the story of the jealousy between Kine and Hevel. Now, if it was based on kinatsofrin, right, that Kine saw Hevel, Hevel's korban being accepted by Hashem, then kind would have turned around, gone home, and brought a better Korban, right? He would have said, oh, you know what? I really blew it. I really want to be like my brother. He really knows how to do it. I really didn't understand, you know, that this is a shem we're talking about, and, you know, you don't just bring him anything. I'm going to go home and do it better. But that's not what happened, right? He, he, He would have brought a better Korban without any negative energy, but we know there was a lot of negative energy. And Hashem asks Kain, why are you angry? And that's what Hashem asks him when, when his face falls. It says his face falls, and Hashem says, why are you angry? In other words, why don't you want to emulate Heaven? Im <speaking> teitiv <in Hebrew> Is it not true that if you do good, you'll be forgiven? Hashem says to Kain. So Hashem knows that this kind of that kind is having, is the regular kind of kinna because it's accompanied with anger. Kind didn't want to bring a better one. He was just upset that Hevel brought such a good one. A person can be depressed because of something they said or did, but this propels them to want to be better. Another person can be depressed and brokenhearted and give into it and sink deeper. Okay, so again, a person can respond to failure in two ways, right? We can be like the tzaddik, tzaddik he pull, become, right? Sheva pa'amir, that a tzaddik can fall, and yet the greatness of the tzaddik is he falls seven times, meaning he gets up. He says, okay, I didn't do it right, I failed, but I'm not giving up, I'm going to try again. And that's what makes him a tzaddik, or A person can be so depressed and brokenhearted and it can make them sink deeper and deeper into this feeling. And of course, when that happens, a person can be so jealous of the other people, right, who he's becoming lower and bringing himself lower and lower to, and he wants to pull that other person down. That's what naturally the jealousy will do. And what happened, we know with Kine, that Kine's jealousy made him into a murderer. It pulled him down to the point that he killed his brother. So that's one option. That's one option. And the Torah is showing us the depths to which intense jealousy can take a person to a place of despair, to the only way that I can um, relieve myself is to get rid of the person. I mean, to that degree to get rid of the object of my, of my jealousy. Or, and this is what Sofrim is in the positive way, a person can be jealous and use it to become more like them. Hashem says to Kain, if you improve, you will go up. You will have an aliyah. You will become better. But if you don't improve, right, your avera will always be waiting for you at the door. Anybody know that pasuk in Hebrew, right? Petach, oh, whatever. The satan will wait by the door. It's very, it's a very uh, famous line. Okay. In, our, in, our, in other words, if you do something good with this jealousy that you're feeling, and here we're trying to show how jealousy, which is not going to go away from the human condition, and is an extremely intense fire fiery type of emotion like anger like incredible desire all these things that are represented by fire that can kill you, that can destroy you or you have the choice to take it and do something good with it, it's telling you something right, Rabbi Pliskin has a book, Anger, the Inner Teacher right, you could say the same thing about Kinna, you could say the same thing about any strong emotion what is it that I need to turn or fix or channel differently so that I'm not just consumed by this but rather I somehow become greater because of it? I turn it into something good, something positive, something beneficial. I may have to always be careful about it, you know, like the alcoholic who can't have a drink. But I'm going to make this into something great. I'm going to use this to perfect a part of my personality that otherwise, you know, I might not ever perfect because the flip side of my jealousy wouldn't, would, you know, would be that part of me that I I want to perfect. But it it wouldn't be ignited. Okay? So Hashem says if you do something good with this, then something good will come out of it. You'll be forgiven. You can turn this regular jealousy that you feel for your brother into keynote suffering, into I want to be like you, I want to learn from you. What can you teach me that I didn't know before? How can I grow from this? Perhaps I'm, you know, I'm in this situation, and you're my brother, and you are put in my life or whatever the situations we're in, because if I say, what can I learn from you, how can I grow from you, then it could be something very, very beneficial for me. So she gives an example. She says, let's say you're jealous of someone's Shalom bias, right? So your natural reaction is, you know, I'd like to hear her yell once in a while, like, she's so soft-spoken, you know, she's in the park with her kids, and, every, and she's so soft-spoken. And, you know, I'd like to hear her yell once in a while. I remember my mother always used to say, you know, I don't believe there's any woman who's never yelled in her life. Come on! Like, you know, I'd come home with all these sadaka stories about people, and my mother would go, I'm sorry, you know, what do you mean 15 kids, 12 kids? Yeah, and she never yelled in her life. Sure! You know, my mother, whatever. Anyway, she was probably right, but, you know... The point is, is you know, that you meet people like that though. You wonder, like, my goodness, are they Malachim? I mean, like, wow, right? So it's okay if we have that feeling, if we have that jealousy, if we say that thing to ourselves, you know, like, well, no wonder she's so geschicked. If I had help like that, you know, and three nannies, my house would also be looking like that, and I'd also, you know, have great children because I wouldn't have to whatever. We we figure out how, you know. Exactly. So, again, back to the idea. Our primary response, our, our gut reaction to something, that primary response, whether it's anger, jealousy, sadness, uh, miserliness, any of the negative impatience, is not where our free will lives. We are um, hardwired in certain areas. And we are not supposed to beat ourselves up over our primary responses. The secondary response is where our bechira kicks in. It's where our free will kicks in. I think uh, Viktor Frankl was famous for saying that, and, and it's a little bit different what he says. He says the, the time between um, circumstance and response is where free will lives. But this is saying, no, you actually get another chance, right? That it's not in that first reflex, that first gut reaction. We're not judged on that. We're not supposed to be tzaddikises and tzaddikim in that first reaction. That's not normal, right? When they say, when they when they um, write all these books about our great people and they paint them out to be perfect from the time they were born and they don't point out any of their difficulties or challenges in life, that, you know, these aren't good books for our children to read because they're unrealistic and you just want to give up, right? So they tell the story about how the Hafez Chaim stole an apple once from the marketplace and how Rav Moshe Feinstein said, Are you kidding me? I had a very angry temperament. Growing up, I just worked at it. That's why I can handle all these crazy ladies calling me two minutes before Shabbos and asking me what time is candle lighting. You know what? When, when, when I am the gadol hador of the entire world and I handle the most difficult questions. Right? It's not because oh wow, Reb Moshe, wow, you're amazing. No, I'm not. I worked on this. I worked my whole life, and that's why I can do this. But Hashem never stops testing me in this area. So we're not responsible for that. We're responsible for our secondary response. And even that secondary response, and we're going to talk more about that if we do some more classes on this. Or This is, this is relevant for any character trait you're trying to work on. So we don't say, why did I get angry? Why was I jealous? I, and beat ourselves up over that. We shouldn't do that. The secondary response is called the tsura, right? That's where we take who we are and we try to work with it. And that's where we try to work on ourselves. Some people's secondary responses are just more of the same of their primary response. I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? It's so terrible that I did that. I'm such a lousy person. I'm so rotten. Oh my God, I always get angry. There's nothing I can do about this, right? And they take their primary response and they let it build up. And they just... So basically, you now, Kine, kind, you got jealous of your brother. But if you transform this for good, you will be forgiven. How can you transform a primary kinna into a good secondary response? What can I learn from that person or those people who I am jealous of? Weed out the negativity and just find what inspires you about the other person. I love my brother. He taught me something, and I want to be a better person. Now, sometimes it's really hard to do this, obviously, right, because we're so consumed by our feelings of of unworthiness or perhaps, again, we thought we exclusively owned a certain trait or talent and somebody else seems to have bettered us, the whole competition thing. So it becomes very difficult. But again, Hashem's telling us if you improve, you will go up. You will use this fire to rise. If you make something good out of this, you will grow. Jealousy is so intense an emotion. So, how can you use it as a growing experience? So, back to bitachon, which always has to come back in for everything really it's really the foundation of being able to handle you know all the challenges of life that Hashem sends us including our inner challenges and again it's the idea that Hashem sent me exactly what I need what do I learn about myself my tough what do I learn about my mission in this le- in this world about what I'm supposed to accomplish from this jealousy and she gives a mashal, she says, imagine a father asks two children to draw a picture. And she says to them, he says to them, you know, I want you to make a picture of what you like best or what you draw best. Draw me a picture of what your signature drawing is. So one child makes a picture of trees and forests and the other one makes a picture of seas and boats. And the father says, "Okay, let me give you some green and brown crayons for the forest scene, and I'm going to give you some blues for your ocean she- ocean scene." And the other and one kid says, "Hey, why did you give him those colors? Why didn't you give me those colors?" So this is just another mashal of the father gave each child what was needed for that picture. So if I don't have something, it's not related to my tough key. It's not related to what my what I'm supposed to accomplish in this world. And if that person has it, then it's related to his tough key. Then that's what he needs. What's my tough key? The intense emotion that you feel can help you know what you can be accomplishing in life. What do I already have that I should be using in the service of my mission? That can give us clarity. Im says. Jealousy can help you grow, propel us to be able to think about, and it can also propel us, this is another different idea, to be able to think about other people who are suffering from jealousy. Okay, People who are consumed by jealousy. Think about them. Think about what they go through. People are usually jealous of people who have the same skill set as they do. You're jealous of people who have your particular talent, right? If you're a singer, you're going to be jealous of other singers. If if there's a certain job that you have and you want and they got it, a certain skill. But what about those people who have even less than I have? You know, I'm jealous of someone who got into Harvard because I didn't, because I wasn't quite good enough. What do people feel like who couldn't even get into any college? Or couldn't get into any kolel or any yeshiva, right? So compare yourself to them and realize that they could be jealous of you. Look at the good that you have in your life at saying. Put, put yourself in their shoes. This is something different. People who might be jealous of you. People who struggle more than you do. Who don't have as much as you do. What about people who have less than I do, who've been rejected from different programs and things that I just have a natural expectation, right, that I'll be included in or that I could get my children into or that I can afford because I have money in the bank? But in a way, what we're saying is that everyone has, so to speak, their own skill set. Everyone's going to excel in something. Yeah, Isn't you could, that well you could say that too. You could, but you don't know, no, there are people who are never gonna excel in the things that, you know, are are outwardly I mean, and even are important to get along in life, to navigate through life, right? I mean, if you can't afford your daily groceries, you're not excelling in necessarily having a carefree life of not having to think about that every time you go to the to the metro, right? so when you think about it, it's actually beautiful i i wrote on the side here because i love this fort on the elena prayer you know in elena we say i think about this and at this time okay we say um at the end we say um do you want to sit up? yeah
1: yeah i do okay. yeah
0: no, is it here? Is there one yeah, right here? Yeah. We say mitachas <laughs> ha Okay, oh, that's a good one. I don't even need my glasses <laughs> for pleasant. this. Look at that. Okay. No, I do. Okay, I'm going <laughs> Oh, boy. Where's the elenu? Elenu, elenu. Oh, come on. Okay, here it is. Okay, here it is. Okay, so we say, Ki Hashem hu Elohim, Bashamayim Mima'al, the Al 'al Ha'aris Vitachat. Bashamayim Mima'al means that when it comes to Shamayim, when it comes to Ruchnias, when it comes to spiritual values, you should always look up to the people who can teach you something and say what can i learn from you how can i be greater in terms of my mido in terms of the way i conduct myself in this world in terms of my wisdom and knowledge of torah etc behal haaretz mitachat when it comes to Gashmias, haaretz the material world you should always look down not up look down and say aren't i lucky Look how much I have. There's always somebody who has less than you, right? I was, you know, about the man who was upset because he didn't have any shoes, right? And then he saw a man with no legs. I mean, that's an extreme example. But I think it's so beautiful. When it comes to ruchnias, look up. When it comes to gashmias, you should always look down and realize, right? But people have it the opposite way. With the Rukmias, they want to make sure, well, I'm better than that guy, right? Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm much more religious, right? I do things much better than he does. I'm on a much higher level. I know way more Torah than he does, uh, right? And when it comes to Gashmias, it's like, oh, I can't believe what that person has. You know, they got this, they got that. I want it. But it should be the opposite. When it comes to Gashmius, look down. When it comes to Rukmias, look up. Like that? Mm-hmm. Are you going to say Elena differently now mm-hmm. when you get to that? Think about that, mm-hmm. okay? I love that. Okay, thank you. I might be the subject of someone's jealousy. Feel compassion for people who are jealous and realize, and we talked a little bit about that, that you don't want to evoke that intense emotion in someone else. And there's actually an insert in Elokai Nitzur, right, it's in the Sfard davening, And any Sephardic sitter, when you get to that prayer at the end of Shemona Esrei, that has a whole piece about jealousy, that people shouldn't be jealous of me, that I shouldn't evoke those feelings in other people, and I shouldn't be jealous of others. Who am I jealous of? Who's jealous of me? I hope I'm not making others jealous. I know how it is to have my day ruined by someone who makes me eat myself up from jealousy. Right? You know, I sometimes say, like, you know, Baruch Hashem, I noticed once that, you know, I went away one winter for a short time in Florida, and when I came back to school, because I work at a school, you know, everybody sees that you have a little bit of color in February, and, you know, I, I could think to myself, I hope there's no teachers walking down the hall past me who are jealous of me, you know, I come home with a tan from Florida, and take off a few days of work and you know one teacher might say to me oh lucky you you know skipping school to go to florida wow right you know and you know what i mean i don't know maybe i should go should get a tan right no i'm just kidding obviously we can't do that but you know you know so many people don't have the ability to do something like that in the winter they can't get away from this horrible winter and this long winter Right. And they're not going to be able to get away from their job if they have a certain type of job, if they don't work for a Jewish school (laughs) where everybody's constantly going for this and that and this and that. Right. I always I worked once with a secular woman who was always going to Florida like every she finally left the school because she was taking off so much. She was older, you know, and. And I said, and she used to work for the public school system, and I said, you have to admit that working for a Jewish, you know, school, like a right-wing Jewish school, you have to admit that they definitely put life before work. You know? Like, sorry, got a wedding. Sorry, got to go dating. Sorry, got to, you know, sorry, got to go to this. Sorry, got a funeral. Sorry, got this. You know, I mean, nobody's ever there. It's like everybody's there. Every other day I see a supply teacher in some classroom, right? But you know what it is? It's because... We're not, I mean, as much as we're, you know, we believe in working hard and being honest, it's not the Protestant work ethic, you know. It's not like work at all costs and like you kill yourself and everything else comes after. It's like, no, life comes first. Oh, you got to go to Florida. Sure. You know, like I actually went to Rabbi Bornstein once and I told him, "I, I, I, I can't work here anymore because I'm, I just can't take being in Canada anymore. And thank God, you know, in the winter, and I need to go away for a week, you know? And and I was so shocked, because, you know, I said, so, like, I, and I feel badly, because, you know, I'm working with with kids, and it's not nice to leave them, and they always go, where were you, right? They where were you, Mrs. Dan? You know, well, don't you see the tan? I mean, you know, ask ask your teacher, right? Anyway, the point is, here, I'm doing a comedy routine. Okay, the point is is, you know, it was so funny, I could do a comedy routine on this. I said, you know, well, I, I just, you know, I don't, want, I don't think it's right, blah, blah, blah. And he says to me, this is bail. It's fine. We let the staff that we like go away to Florida for a month if they want, right? I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, you know, if we think you're really valuable. I said, okay, well, all right, if you say so. And, of course, my other, the less higher up was, te- you know, getting nervous about the fact that I was going away sometimes. And he was going... You know, we can't have this anymore. This is not good. You need to go speak to Raleigh Bornstein. So, of course, I come back with this grin like a Cheshire cat thing, like, well, I don't know. He said I could go for a month if I <laughs> Not that I'm doing that, but okay. Anyway, nobody should hear this. Uh, okay, so, yeah, very laid back about these things. So how do we wear our successes? How careful are we not to evoke jealousy in others? If I am jealous, I want something good to come out of it. I want it to be productive, okay? If I'm feeling these kind of feelings, I want it to be productive. In other words, I want to maybe understand what my tough kit is better, right? If I don't have this, then I don't need it. So what do I have? What strengths, what did Hashem give me that is mine, that I should be doing with it? I should use it to develop my self-confidence, to realize, you know what, you've got a real self-confidence issue, you've got a real sense of unworthiness, you know, why don't I have it, why do you have it, work on it to recognize that, and you know what, recognize that maybe sometimes you make others jealous and learn not to do that, what good things could come out of this jealousy, how will this make me a better person? How will it make the world a better place? Sometimes people start organizations. Sometimes people are very involved in social injustice because of their jealousy. Okay? So the homework is, how can this jealousy that I feel sometimes help me grow? Think about kind and how Hashem says to him, if you improve, you will grow. If you improve yourself and you make yourself take something good out of this, then you will grow. And if not, it can destroy you and others. Right? Another thing, am I causing others to be jealous in any area? Another question, who am I jealous of? How do I prevent other people from being jealous of me? Right? Be private about your successes. Don't flaunt it. Use your success to help other people. And again, you know, we all know this. Sometimes we, people will be jealous of us, regardless, regardless of whatever we do. It's not in our control, because sometimes, unfortunately, it's their problem, and it's not ours. Is that uh, enough to chew on for today? I did prepare another class, but if you want, we're going to stop here. And um, we'll talk about whether we're going to continue. Okay. It's, it's, It's doing it.